I think, yeah, I mean, listen, I think anyone, you do all these ultra races, ultra marathons, Ironmans, you, you kind of got to love suffering. You, you realize that suffering is where growth comes. Suffering is where, I mean, you find your best self. So you almost embrace it. I mean, that is what you're there for. You're there to get into the suffering, experience it, get through it. And then, I mean, that's where all the growth comes. That's the good stuff. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 100 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Kate Pallardy's remarkable journey is powerful and inspiring. Kate was bullied as a child, battled crippling anxiety, depression, and intrusive thoughts. While in college, in an unhealthy relationship, she was searching for an outlet and had been running three miles a few days per week. She decided to run 11 miles to try and run away from her troubles and was flooded with emotions when she finished. From that moment, everything changed. 12 miles the next day, 27 miles a couple of days later, she searched for an ultra in the spring and the unhealthy relationship guy said it was too soon. She'd get injured or never finish. The first of many times Kate would use a challenge as fuel to her fire and move the timeline up and signed up for the McNaughton 50-mile race. Kate showed up in cotton clothes and sneakers from TJ Maxx. She met her future husband, Mike, on the course. He gave her lifesavers on her third loop. And Kate went on to finish second that day in her very first race. Kate's as old school as they come. Paper logs over Strava lives for the grind. The tougher the course and weather, the better, as was the case at the 2018 JFK 50, where the AT was covered in snow and footing was a serious challenge, and she came from over 20 minutes down and rallied to win. Kate takes greater pride grinding at a crazy tough workout on the treadmill with no fan than she does from breaking the tape. Even the amazing JFK 50-mile silver cup she received for winning the 2018 race can be found in a closet. Funny story. Kate homeschools their three beautiful children and makes many sacrifices to ensure family always comes first. When one of their best friends, Oz Perlman, broke the FKT record for running 116 miles in Central Park and fundraised over $100,000 for children in the Ukraine, she encouraged me to have O's on run chats to help spread the word because she knows how much impact community events like this can have. Mike was out there running all day and night and Kate, only four weeks removed from delivering Goldie, ran 19 miles with O's at 7.30 pace because she would do anything for a friend. This is a transformative journey of overcoming demons, fear, anxiety, from feeling weak and powerless to becoming strong, powerful, and a force of nature. I'm deeply grateful to Kate for opening up and sharing her journey on Run Chats to help others. Proud and beyond excited to read her upcoming novel. This one is special. Let's dive on in and take a listen. Kate Powerty, welcome to episode 100 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you, my friend? I'm here. Um, I hydrated because you know I like to talk and I have things to say. So I'm like ready for this. 
she's tuning up like she's getting ready. I am. To I just, I can fuel up too. <laughs> fuel up and hydrating, preparing as if we're getting ready to run New York City tomorrow, which uh, luckily for Kate, she's not running in beach weather tomorrow. I am. I love beach weather. I am, uh, I like hot weather races. So tomorrow would be my jam. Um, it's great. I think it forces people outside of their comfort zone, like kind of turn off the watch and just get into the race and just run, like just enjoy it. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a little warm. So they got to just embrace, embrace the suffering a little bit. I love that mindset. And it's so <laughs> funny. Uh, we were talking a little, Mike was just here and Anders and Hazel and Goldie were here. The whole family was up here. We're uh, overlooking Central Park West. We got a sweet view doing this live in person. And uh, the whole fam was just up here. And I was talking about meeting ribs in person for the first time yesterday. And after all of our, you know, basic catching up of talking about running and family and life, that's what he said. He said, I hope it's really hot tomorrow. I hope the conditions are really tough and people suffer. And it's no surprise that you and him would have the same mindset. I think, yeah. I mean, listen, I think anyone you do all these ultra races, ultra marathons, Ironmans, you, you kind of got to love suffering. You, you realize that suffering is where growth comes. Suffering is where, I mean, you find your best self. So you almost embrace it. I mean, that is what you're there for. You're there to get into the suffering, experience it, get through it. And then, I mean, that's where all the growth comes. That's the good stuff. Oh, yeah. I believe it. Uh, I'm fully on board with that. And, um, you know, knowing some of the crazy training that you've exposed me to over the years, it just makes me think right away to your crazy psycho treadmill workout that you used before the Boston Marathon with no fans in the house, trying to get it to be like 120 degrees. And, you know, you doing that completely bananas workout that ended up being what, like 24 miles? And it actually was a 26 mile workout on the treadmill. Um, but the lovely part of New York City is you you cannot run the AC and a treadmill at the same time. So it's, you know, you just have to suffer, keep the windows closed, keep it hot. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, I could go into that treadmill workout. It's very complicated, but I'm gonna keep it very simple. Ultimately, I ended up running 22 miles on the treadmill at race pace, which was six minute pace. And, um, for 26 miles total. Uh, and I actually do that on the treadmill because some people hate the treadmill, but I love it. I put it at 0% grade. And this is, I'm a firm believer. You know, when I believe thing, I believe thing. Do not run at 2% grade on the treadmill. You will get injured. It's like, keep it at zero or go to 15%. I hate that. Well, if you do 2% on the treadmill, then it equals outside. And then you have this and that. I'm like, just enough. Treadmill running is treadmill running. Keep it at 0%. You want that turnover. You want to get your quad strong. And it's, it's why I love the treadmill is also you can do a 26 mile workout on the treadmill and feel fresh enough to do another workout three to four days later. If I did that workout outside, I would be done. I would be done. I, it would have just annihilated me, but it was perfect. And I did run, well, pretty much ran that pace at Boston Marathon. That's what I was training for. Um, I ended up 6.03s, but still uh, pulled it off on a rather hard day. Um, so trust the treadmill. I love it, but keep it at 0%. I so. love it. Kate brings strong opinions, Very which is why opinions. she's one of my favorites ever. <laughs> and uh, like literally everything she tells you, like with me, if she ever guided me or gave me advice or anyone else she's ever worked with, 
who's lucky enough to have her dispensing advice or coaching, like you better do what she tells you, man, because you will be in big trouble if you do not. As I found out firsthand in Berlin one cycle, but at the same time, she 100% practices what she preaches and what she tells you does work and will work. Um, and also the treadmill, whether we hate it or love it, in, in your case, it does give you that fueling opportunity that is a lot easier to control. So whether it's your drinks that you're trying to get to or your gels or whatever it might be, and then the pace changes, you have that control, which you don't normally have as much of when you're out in the roads, right? Well, this is it, Ron. This is the thing. I didn't just end up with a 26-mile mar like marathon on the treadmill going into Boston. I created this workout. It's actually, I call it, um, it was eight by three miles. And the three mile segments go pretty much like descending miles. Your miles get faster throughout the workout. Um, but what happens is you start with like two times three miles, then three times three miles, then four times three miles. You're building. This is a slow build. But you see this progress every one to two weeks. It is it is black and white whether you're getting fitter or stronger. You, it's very manageable and it's very tangible. Um, and also with kids and family, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, and I also don't have to be like, oh, it's it's pouring rain or it's 40 degree. I'm not saying I don't run in that stuff. I always run in that stuff. But sometimes for certain workouts, you need to just bang it out. So you don't want to worry about ice. You don't want to worry about snow. So this is why I like this. I like to have one workout a week on the treadmill that I can say, check, did it, done. Beautiful. And you got to control your environment, right? So you might have two key workouts in a week, but really one is the one you're really, truly focused on. Maybe the other one is more about mileage, long run, X, Y, Z pace. But you know, when it comes to those key workouts, they got to get done. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I changed my, I slowly changed my training philosophy. I had three, pretty much three key days a week. And, and this is just because with family, and kids, um, it was easier to just focus on three days. And whatever happened outside of those three days, I would manage. But I'm like, these three days I need to do. These are the three workouts I need to do. In those three days, I would do uh, upwards to 50 to 65 miles condensed in those three days. They're long. They're long workouts. Um, obviously, one was on the treadmill. One would be outside. One might just be a long run. Um and I would, I would, I would put it in those three days, and then everything outside of that was either ridiculously slow. And you know me, I run slow. I run fast, and then I run slow. Like nine, I'm talking like sometimes nine to ten minute miling. I recover. I recover like with the best of them. Um, and I think it was just. That transformed my running, my marathon training. It allowed me to go from marathons to ultra marathons. Um, and it allowed me to be present with my family. You know, if I had to take two easy days, no problem. Yeah. So let's dig into that a little. Um, because that's one of the reasons I'm able to run a lot of miles with Kate, because otherwise I couldn't run with her. Um, unless I could transport myself back to my 30s when I could run six minute marathon pace and I can't. Um, so Yet she is that strong a runner to run in the Boston Elite Field, the New York Elite Field, and win the JFK 50, which we'll take a deep dive into later in the program. Um, but when she's not running crazy workouts and averaging six-minute pace for a 24-plus mile workout on the treadmill, she's running nine, 10-minute pace. And most people say they run at recovery pace and they talk the game, but they're full of shit. Okay, because they're worried about what they're going to post on Strava or who's going to see what paces they're running. And it's absurd. 
Because if they really, truly did recovery pace, they'd be healthier and they get faster. But what I want to segue into is you're having to manage all of that because you have three beautiful children, you're homeschooling them, and your time responsibilities, I will rank up against anyone I've ever met. Um, so it's a lot. And I have a lot of moms on this show, um, mostly due to give a little homage to my mom at 90, who was the most important person in my life. And go just, moms. Uh, go moms, <laughs> go strong moms. Hell yeah, go moms. And um, so for me, anytime I see a mom out there crushing it like you, or Lisa Waitman in Australia, you know, with a seven-year-old, four-time Olympian and working full-time, it just inspires the hell out of me. And it certainly inspires the other moms. But how do you tackle that stuff? you know, homeschooling all of those responsibilities and fit it in and squeeze it in because we all know people are looking for the excuses. I don't have enough time. So lay it out, man, because it's impressive. I mean, I'll lay it out. First, I want to say everybody's life is different and however you squeeze it in will look entirely different. But I will say here, there are some people and I've heard like, they're like, oh, I put my family first. I really give a lot of time to my family. I don't. And it's bullshit. But here, I, you know, it's just, you know, that they're just out there doing their own thing. Like half the time you're like, okay, yeah. But the truth is I really am with my family. Like they really, really come first. And I do not want sport to overtake. It, they're just, it's just, I, I just love them too much. Like I'm not gonna, so it's a balance in some sense. Um, but I have to give up things. Like I am not going out at night, right? <laughs> like there's a balance. There are things you give up. Like I do not watch television um, unless I'm like doing a workout or something. Like then I'll be like, oh, maybe I can, you know, put something up. Uh, but um, there's things you give up, but it it doesn't come at the cost of my family. So that is just a value in my life that I'm like, nope, they are there. They, they come first. Um, and then... Then the fun part, this is what the fun part is. People say, oh, you kind of became like this, maybe even a better athlete with kids. And they said, so it's like easier, you're stronger. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's like, not at all did it become easier. But what they force you to do is to take all that fluff and that junk and just get rid of it. And you have to narrow your focus. You have to maximize your time. So I train less, but oh my gosh, I train harder. It's like today time was squeezed. My son had a hockey game and we just had things today. And I could only squeeze in like a 30-minute run and a 30-minute bike and then a 10-minute strength workout. So for the run, I time trialed 540s right? 540s. And then my bike, time trial, heart rate through the roof. It's horrible. It's absolutely terrible. It was an hour. Like I did one hour and it was like, I trust me, I would rather be running four hours easy in the woods. That's much nicer. It was terrible, but that's what you've got to do. You're like, okay, let's just go. Let's just go absolutely hard. Um, and you just got to, you got to make what's important. You, I say, you have to look at your mileage. What is the purpose of these miles? Like, what are you doing? Why are you running 25 miles today? And people, some, a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm doing a long run. I said, yeah, but you did 25 miles, 45, a minute and 20 slower than what you say is your projected race pace. Those are shit miles. You shouldn't have done that. You just wasted three, four hours of your day and you gained literally no fitness because the minute you start to turn over those legs a minute and a half faster, 
your legs will shatter because they're not prepared for that. So I am a firm believer in knowing the purpose of your miles and why you're doing it and cut the fluff. I don't give a shit if you're running 100 mile weeks. Everyone, oh, I run 100 mile weeks. I'm like, yeah, but either you're going to end up injured, you're sacrificing time with family and friends, you're tired, your work's going to stop. You don't need 100 mile weeks to be a great runner. I've done it. I ran a sub, I've ran sub 240. I ran 115 half marathon. I've won JFK. I did not run 100 mile weeks. So there it is. I was like, the less I could do, the better. But I'll tell you, I killed some good workouts and I killed some fast miles. Love it. Bringing the strong opinions, what it's all about on Run Chats. We don't do middle of the road shit on this show. I don't okay? hear it. We ain't going down the fucking middle, people. Okay. We are going hard right or hard left. And you're either on board with us or you're not. And you but better, I will say, yeah. Ron, because the other thing is, I am as. You, I am consistent. I show up every day. I show up every week, year over year. I'm always fit. I'm always ready to go. That is another thing that's so important, right? That's like, you just always, there's no like on and off. I'm always on and then I'm either on and then I'm broiling. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like I'm on. And then when it comes time to get close to the race, trust me, I'm, I'm in it. But I am never falling off the wagon. Like I will always promise I will be fit in one way or another. I will be fit. You have to just keep it going. No excuses. Yeah. And trust me, um, this person is speaking the truth because I don't even know how many months it was after having Goldie when Oz is out here doing his Central Park record and there's Kate running like 20 miles at 730 pace. Like how many weeks? Uh, it was four weeks. Oh my God. I listened God. to no advice of anyone. <laughs> I just did it. But that's it. You know what it is? It's like, Here's the thing. I, I always challenge everything. I, I always question everything. And, and, and sometimes it's exhausting. But um, I knew that I was, I had ran my entire pregnancy and it was a brutal pregnancy in the way of being sick and stuff. But I was fit. I was strong. I lifted almost every day because I couldn't put in so much miles, but I was out there running. Um, and then afterwards, very easy birth. Uh, Another breech birth, of course, because that's how I do life. Goldie. Everything is calm. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Goldie. So I always question everything, and um, but I had an easy birth, and and recovery was, I was feeling really good, and so um, you know I make it only a few days before I'm like, eh, let's just get going. And everybody's different, though. That's the thing. Like you can't say, oh, it's six weeks and you can go. Some women might need three months. Some women, but I am just like, yeah, I'm gonna just do what I do, and. Um, Oz needed people to lead him around the park. He's one of our greatest friends. Um, and I said, it was middle of the day. Literally, no one was there with him. So I didn't plan on running 19 miles. <laughs> but I was like, I'm here. And you know I love this stuff. Yeah. And I will tell you, I literally take... It, it didn't come without some <laughs> pain because, like, I was fine. And I was out there. I did it. I did my 19 miles. And then I was like, I got to go feed Goldie, you know. Um, this is getting... But uh, I took two Advil that night because my hips were like, um, no, this is... So... And I don't take anything ever. Like, I rarely, rarely... But this was a time where I said, if I needed to function as a human tomorrow, as a good mom, I'm going to need to drug myself. So I did with two Advil. And that's when, I, that's when I knew it was on because uh, we were all taking shifts. I mean, Mike started the day with those and then Kate ran a huge chunk and, you know, different local running community folks were out. 
And I had run a hard workout the night before. And Oz is like, dude, where are you? When are you coming over? I'm like, I ran like a hard workout. And he goes, we got to come run. So I thought I was going to show up the same way you did and run like yeah. one loop. Yeah, and the know. next thing you know, I'm running like 18, 19 miles and just like totally roped in. But I knew that it was like even above Kate's normal level of insanity when she told me she took the Advil. So that's when I knew it was, yeah, like, it was like off, it, it, off the rails for sure. But I was luckily, I mean, for me, I knew it wasn't, it was just, you know, your, your hips need a little, but I was good. I was good to go. But I just, those are what I live for. Yeah. I, I couldn't pass it up and I wasn't going to, and I really didn't care what happened to me. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be out here for a friend and I want to, it was just, too good, too fun. And he crushed it out there. He was just flying. It was ridiculous. Um, so one of his best runs of his life. And I'm just so happy I was out there. So, you know, you just do. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That fuels performance. We all know that. And if you were the one running and Oz was out there jumping in and other friends of ours were out there jumping in, that's the difference it that it makes. And it, it really does make that much of a difference to have the people you care about versus maybe like strangers that are just like rolling up. Yeah, you'll appreciate them for being there when you're out there all day. But it's very different when your real friends show up and they're supporting something that matters. And it was just such an awesome cause. He raised so much money. He created so much awareness and buzz around it. And it was super, super fun. And hey, he came on the pod, my pod because of you. So yeah. that was, you know, really awesome all the way around. But I think those things what always did it just does create like a butterfly effect it does help people realize that they can do more or bigger or go bigger it's exciting it's exciting and it affects more than just you know him or that it, it 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 spreads that kind of stuff just spreads so i love being out there and part of it yeah you're you could not have said that any better it's when the community service stuff particularly or community events or fkts or running for the cause, those are the things that really resonate and they make people think about and examine like, hey, what could I be doing? How yeah. could I do something like this? Or, wow, if that guy can do that and run for an entire day, like, what could I do? Like, yeah. what's, my, what's my baseline of how far I could go? And it makes you reexamine, you know, what's difficult. Um, I want to, I know something about your physical strength. You're one of the strongest people I know, your workouts, your routines, you're so focused on your core and your lifting and everything. But how much do you think your diet, you know, going plant-based so many years ago, how much do you think that's impacted your own health? Because you're one of the healthiest people I know. You're also like kind of a witch doctor slash guru for injuries <laughs> because we've all had something come up and Kate will be like, okay, try taping this. Hey, why don't you tape that. a tennis ball to yeah. your legs, wrap it around <laughs> yeah. with duct tape yeah. and like, you know, take like put arnica above it. And yeah. Ron's like, oh, it kind of worked. It, I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, sleep, <laughs> and sleep in that position. But, <laughs> but seriously, I know how, how serious you are with, you know, your plant-based diet and how you feel about that for performance and supplementing and all that. And all, your whole family is. So talk about that a little and what made you go in that direction and how much you think it's had an impact on your health and performance. Yeah, I don't want to bore people with plant-based because it's like, oh, you know, a lot of times you get the eye roll. Because, But I'm all in like... <laughs> This is the thing. It's just whole foods, you know, you know, just trying to limit the process and, and really plants have power. And I, I don't care what anyone says. And I've proved it. I've had, yeah, I don't know what else I have to do to say you can do this. But even if you don't want to go the full, you know, plant-based or vegan, just taking plants or whole foods and, and really getting some good stuff into your diet is, you know, for me, it's, it's not so much even a focus on now, because people could say, well, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm eating meat, this and that. It's the future. You know, I want to be here 
for as long as possible. I don't want to ever get in a position where I'm like, I should have done more if I, you know, I, I want to be here for my kids. Um, I want to, uh, you know, help the planet, it, keep it as, as, as healthy and vibrant as possible. Um, so when it comes to plant-based, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really like a future health policy. You know, um, a lot of us can get away with eating horrible food in our 20s and our 30s. Mean and like even me? In a, yeah, Ron is <laughs> terrible sometimes. Thank I'm, you. I'm trying to, I pull into like my side sometimes. <laughs> I think one time I ran, I'm like, let's get a green juice after the run. Or like, we got a fresh juice. You yeah. loved it though, we, right? Yeah. That's what I do. After yeah. every hard workout, uh, it, the first thing I grab is the green juice. It's like the best. It's like hydration, hypronutrients. Like I'm just, this is the first choice for me always so but it is it's a future health policy uh and i i mean we keep it simple and and we keep it fun i really love to get in the kitchen especially for the kids i'm boring i mean i could like eat almonds and a banana and be like i'm good let's go my kids know so i have to get a little more creative with them i love like a big big i mean hearty salad you're pulling in lentils and beans and you're making tahini dressings and woo it's all pretty fun uh but i feel amazing on it. And uh, luckily, my husband and I did it together. And the world, I think, you know, I think there's more, so many more options. You know, my son's not the type that's like, oh, I'm fine having a salad yeah. while all the other kids are eating pizza. I'm not yeah. an idiot. So like, there's so many more options for him. And I'm not saying like Beyond Beat is great. It's very processed. But to be able to be like, here, Anders, here's a burger yeah. while everyone else is eating burgers, he, he, you don't want these kids to feel left out. So yeah. we do, you know, at home, we keep it very like Whole Foods and all this yummy stuff. But um, I definitely go into the the new additions to the vegan family, um, especially for the kids, just to keep them not feeling so left out. But it's, it's, uh, I went, um, because I personally had my gallbladder removed, IBS issues. I mean, it, I, I was a mess. It was a mess. So for me, it was like, I am living in pain and I need to figure out how not to live in so much pain. And that's what sent me down the path. We had some friends that ate this way. They're like, this might help you. And also like, this really is, I mean, it's healthy right? It's just chock full of nutrients. And you know, you get all the questions. Will you get slower? Can you race at a high level? Where's your iron? Where's your protein from? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, guys, we shouldn't be asking where we get our protein from. We should be asking where we get our fiber from. That's where we all fall short on. You need a, a fiber is like, fiber is fuel. Um, So that was, it just changed my whole thinking. I dove into every book. I like to know. So I'm like, I don't want to just have the basics. I want to become educated. And especially when I started having kids, it's like with pregnancy, you don't want to mess around. Like I don't need my kids coming out with like one arm or like can't, you know, <laughs> close an eye or something. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, and I just educated myself as much as possible. And um, yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, lots of Nuts and seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds. I just embrace all the greens and the fruit, and it's. Uh, I've only got faster, stronger. Um, my kids are amazing. Um, they can blink their eyes, so they're good. <laughs> uh, and it's, um, yeah, it's been sixteen plus years now. So, 
you were ahead of the curve. I'm ahead of the curve. Yeah. yeah. We like um, that. But you know what I say? It's not a diet. It's just a lifestyle. It's like training, fitness, lifestyle, how I raise my kids, a lifestyle. It's not a diet. It's just a lifestyle. It's just how I live. You know, I don't, it doesn't, it's just every day. And it's funny as you become that People don't question it. You know, when you roll into Thanksgiving, what they started doing, we have this huge, you know, 50, 60 person family Thanksgiving. And now they make like vegan dishes for us. Or if we roll in with a bowl of pineapple, they're like, yo, that's cool. Can I have some of that? Or if I make something, they'll be like, hey, can I try some of that salad? I mean, people start loving it. They don't think it's weird because you're just, they're like, no, that's just Kate and Mike. And they love it though. (laughs) Then they want to be part of it. They're like, actually, that looks good. So I'm going to actually have some of that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's fun. I'm hungry right now. So as Kate's talking about some of these things, I'm like, okay, bring on, bring on the good dishes. Yeah. Um, So let's transition a little. Um, One of the many stories, and by the way, for everybody listening, um, Kate and I have shared like a zillion miles out in Central Park on the bridal path. And you know, we would just tell these crazy ass stories to each other. And the whole damn idea of this show came from the crazy zany conversations and how, you know, it's like the confessional, man. It's all safe. You can say anything you want out there. No one else is going to ever find out. Nobody else is going to hear what the hell you talked about. And you can pretty much talk about anybody you want safely and you, you walk away and you're good. And one of the many stories I've learned over time was like how Kate got into running and like her first race and all of that. And I just think it's a really fun one. So you want to oh, tell yeah. us a little about that one? So, I mean, this comes from like, where does the fire come from? This I grew up um, in northwest suburbs of Chicago, right? And uh, I'm one of five, very religious family. But I had, it wasn't, my parents are amazing, but it, uh, I had a kind of a dark place growing up. You know, I, I was dealing with some major... Uh, anxiety, but in the sense of like intrusive thoughts and OCD, um, but to a very dark place. And I, we didn't know what it was. So this was a weird, you know, my parents kind of like to put things under the rug, be like, oh, there's not a problem here. And um, <laughs> I, I mean, I dealt with this quietly, but it, it I'm going to tell you, it brought me to a really scary, dark place. And um, it's refreshing now because I'm not there anymore, you know. Uh, but what really saved me was um, running and and the long run. I mean, not just running, but it came to a point where uh, I was uh, sad and depressed. Um, really, really unhealthy relationship. I was in college, and I just didn't know what was going on in my head, Ron. Um, and I think people have been there. Anyone that deals with anxiety in some way or another, uh, it can get scary. And 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 if you don't know what it is, it's like overwhelming. So all I could think about, and there were seeds planted along the way in my life, but I was 20 and I was hurting. And I could all I could think was, um, I just need to run, like run away from this. And um, so... I remember one day waking up and I was like, I'm going to go run like, like 11 miles, you know, and I was not a runner. I mean, I always stayed fit because I'm an athlete. I was over at, you know, I always, so I don't want to say, but I, I certainly wasn't a runner. I was maybe running three miles, three times a week. And I was like, I think I need to go run like 11 miles, like double digits. Okay. So I just went out and I, I ran 11 miles and I came back and something happened. Like, that was it. I'm telling you, from that moment, nothing has been the same. 
something switched and I finished and I was like crying, right? So the next day I said, I'm going to go run 15 miles. Now this is before we have GPS. <laughs> yeah. So I'm marking these routes on like the, <laughs> the route keeper on the computer. And I'm like, you know, who knows? Like, but it was something like that where you're like, I think this is, and you're trying to make all these routes and you're like, I think this is 15. So next day I'm like 15 miles. Okay. So 11 miles and I, I run the 15 and it was painful. Like things were break, you know, it's my body's not ready for this. Everything hurts, but it is like, it was like a drug. Like I was on another cloud watching myself do this. All of a sudden I felt this power that I never, I was so powerless to all this growing, like years, you know, 11 years, because this all started when I was nine. And so 11 years I felt powerless and I finally felt like I was gaining some power back. Like I never knew I could do this. So when 11, the next time I did 15, again, I finished the 15 mile run. I remember putting my hands up, right? This is in Chicago. It's, it's dark. No one knows what the hell's happening but it was like I finished my hands are up I'm crying again and I'm like I found something that is going to save me so what did I do I decided I needed to run over 26 miles and on Saturday like I did Monday Tuesday I have this written down and I was like Saturday I'm running over 26 miles. I'm doing 27 miles. Because everyone says the marathons is a big deal. You hear these people that run the marathon and they can run 26. They're amazing, right? They're these gods. So I said, I need to go out and I need to run over 26 miles and I need to do it on Saturday. This is a big deal. And I'm just talking to myself, by the way. Like I have no friends, um, you know, and I'm like, my family's kind of like, what is she doing? Like, I'm going out. I'm like, I'm just going out. I have cotton clothes. I got shoes from TJ Maxx. I mean, I was kind of figuring out things. This is a time of like Instagram. Like, it's very hard to figure out what the hell you're doing. A little stopwatch, Timex watch. So I remember I went out. I think I brought some almonds with me and a camelback. And I'm going to finish a marathon on fumes, you know, because I'm not ready, you know, whatever. But ready is ready. Mentally, I was ready. So I did it. I mean, I did the marathon and I did 27 miles a day. And I mean, that was, that was it. It was like earth shattering. So then I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, this was big. But now I know that I'm, I'm got something going here and I'm not going to let it go. So I got I need to sign up for something, but not a marathon. I mean, that's like, we need to sign out something that I do not think I can finish. And if I finish, then I am, you know, a badass. I'm stronger <laughs> than I think. Like, I can conquer the world. So what is it? Double the marathon, right? So my first race, I mean, obviously there was like one, but this is my first running race, really, 50 miles. I said I'm signing up for 50 miles. That's it. So I was going to sign up for the Ice Age 50 miler in May. And this was around... This was like January, right, uh, around this time. And I remember telling my boyfriend at the time, who was a complete asshole, but he, and I don't even know, I don't know, but I said I'm going to do a 50-miler in May. And he says, you can't do it. That's too soon. There's no way you'll be ready. Well, <laughs> you tell me I can't do something. I'm like, so I go back to the computer. I'm searching. I'm like, oh, good. There's a 50-miler in April, five weeks sooner. I said, guess what? I'm doing a 50-miler in April, and that's five weeks sooner. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to finish it. So that's it. I started training. I just started. I had, I had maybe 
it was January and I had maybe like what, I don't know, 12, 14 weeks to get ready for this thing. That's, by the way, where I met my husband. So a twist of fate, you know, a little twist of fate. I met him at mile 30, and that's a whole story. But I get to that race, and I was doing some crazy – I don't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I read, I read one book. Dean Carnaz's book was out, The Ultraman. And so that's where I took all my training from. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had no – I'd never listened to music. I just kind of ran. And it was great. Like, it doesn't exist anymore. I just figured it out, and but for me, it was just this whole cathartic healing. Uh, so I shine up as the McNaughton 50-miler. It was in southern Illinois in Pekin. It was uh, five, 10-mile gnarly loops. Like, you'd think Illinois is flat. It wasn't flat there. And I'll tell you, um, I was ready. And I said, this is like a powerful thing is that I will finish this race no matter what. It doesn't matter. I will finish. So that was in my head, and I'm going, but I'm also enjoying this, right? This is, it is the most powerful race. Like, it, one of the most, um, I will never forget that day, and I'm so thankful, obviously, for that day. And um, I saw Mike the night before, because he was, like, the race, sub-race director. Like, our friend Andy did the main races, um, like, was the main race director. And I thought they were just so funny. It was like a breath of fresh air. I didn't know these people existed. Uh, so, and I was looking at them, and I'm thinking, like, these guys are really special. Like, there's something special about them. And um, so I sign up, I get up that day, start, you know, running my loops. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just running. And then at mile 30, they had the main aid station uh, that was at the, the front of the 10-mile loop. And it was loaded, right? These soups and breads and cookies and gummies. And you know those aid stations where you're like, this is a bad idea. These aid stations, <laughs> they're, they're really bad. Because there was a 150-mile race going. There's a 100-mile race. And then there was just my puny little 50. So some of these guys were going all night. And... And, you know, that's where David did, we ran into David there. David Goggins, like our, one of our friends, he started out there too. McNaughton Trails doing the 150. Um, so it's a place that has birthed many a great souls. Uh, so that's kind of where both of our stories started. But so we've been in those backwoods. I come through at the mile 30 and I remembered that there was a bunch of lifesavers. Mike hates when I tell this story, by the way. <laughs> he honestly is like, it's cheesy. But it's like a good Hallmark no, story, I right? love the story. Like you could have like, but no anyway, way. but it's the truth. It's, I said, well, it is the truth. So there was all these lifesavers and I come through and there's none. And, and Andy's like, do you want anything? And I was like, I don't know. I, I would take some lifesavers, which is a weird thing. Yeah. Like when <laughs> I don't, would never have a lifesaver now. But anyway, it sounded like a good idea. A little something to suck on, candy. And he's like, well, you know, Mike took them all and he's, you can go ask Mike, he has all the lifesavers. And he had like literally all the lifesavers in his pockets because he's been up for like two days straight, yeah. running loops with people, yeah. pacing people. He's tired. So he's just trying to like the cigarette. So I go up to him and said, I heard you have the lifesavers. And Mike's like, hey, you could reach into my pocket and grab one out. And I was like, <laughs> I've done that a few times and it was weird. But I did. I reached into a pocket, grabbed some lifesavers. And I was like, thank you so much. And off I was. So when I finished up the race, it went really well, actually. I think I was, like, second. I don't even know, but it was just – it went well. And it was – like, I had found something. And I was – just felt like this healing and just this – but I – 
like, I got to go up to Mike, you know, and thank him for the lifesavers. And, uh, you know, I told him this whole, because I heard that he was doing Ironman triathlon. So I told him I was a biker. You know, you must lie. Like <laughs> yeah. in order to get two graces, I just make made shit, shit up. up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm a biker too. Then he's like, what bike do you have? I'm like, um, a Schwinn? <laughs> Banana bike? <laughs> no, I, I just it. come up with. So um, he gave me his name, his number, and his email, and I took that. And I didn't know he lived in New York City. You know, I, I just this, I, I had no idea. But I waited a solid five days before I called because you have to. The five day rule. It's the five day rule, and I wanted to be so cool. You know what I yeah. mean? Like call, like uh, I just I found your number again. I remembered we were going to talk about bikes. It's a lifesaver, girl. <laughs> Who doesn't ride yeah. bikes? So, and if anyone knows me, I'm like, I know it would be crazy to say that I'm shy, but I'm not shy, but like to actually get a phone call from me would be, you know, I don't really call people. I just don't. I don't really like phones. So it's shocking that I actually, I didn't email him. I actually called him. And then from there, it was like, I was, yeah, it's kind of like love at first sight run whatever so and here we are um i think now it's what um probably almost 16 17 years later epic story so well told i mean it's it's an intersection of all of it because you guys meet goggins there i mean mike yeah. knew him first right yeah so mike ran friend. and yeah. did events and stuff together and knew him and then obviously you all knew each other so but the the crazy thing people have to visualize is it's not just running 50 miles people for your first race or anything like that this girl's like rolling out in like kmart stuff like oh, cotton yeah. stuff oh, sneakers no. like from some uh, god knows what store like it's not like she's rolling out oh no i knew nothing you know, i had like cotton underwear i had a cotton baseball a cotton shirt i mean i had maybe 30 dollars. i didn't have any money you know yeah. what i mean i'm just like waitressing through college i, I had nothing so I, I mean this is just no gps watches i had like the $10 like stopwatch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and the beauty is, is you don't need all the fancy. Now I am fancier now because it's fun to be fancy, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this gear is actually good. Yeah. Uh, my husband makes fun of me. He's like, you know, you used to be like so tough just with like your kind gear. I'm like, yeah, but it was very chafy. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't the best. You'd just be wet for days. So, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I just, it is sometimes nice to go through that to kind of find your own path without someone telling you, you need this, you need this, this. I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone telling me and it was, it was really fun to just figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think the beauty of that story is um, when you're in a tough place um, and you're battling anxiety and, you know, you're in a shitty place, a dark place, whatever, when you find anything that clicks, man, it could be swimming in a pool, it could be riding a bike, it, it could be painting, whatever the hell it is, man, you just dove in. You know, you didn't question it like, no. okay, I don't know why I like this, but you're coming home celebrating, you're getting emotional and you just feel an actual change. It was like really full emotional change. actually. I mean, um, sometimes I think back to, I mean, thank God I, I found it. Um, but I do say to people like, you don't need to be an elite runner or fast or do something grand, but sometimes if you're in a bad place, and I'm not saying, yes, there's things, but doing something that makes you feel physically powerful, right? And it could be anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be 50 miles. Someone just doing maybe, you know, maybe they want to bike 100 or, or they want to walk for 10 hours or they do something big, right? And, and, and say, I cannot quit. And I'm telling you, 
it pulls your ass out of whatever you are in because all of a sudden you realize you have power in you to get over it. Like there is power in you. You can do it. You just got to just take your head out of it and, and, and stop questioning. Just sign up or not even sign up. You don't have to do a race, but just go do it. Don't be afraid and do not quit. And you will find, and this is every single person. I'm not saying if you don't have to be special. I'm telling you, you, everyone is powerful. And when you feel it, it does help you pull out from dark places. And it doesn't mean you're going to have to fight like hell. Still going to have to fight like hell. But you remember, oh, my God, I am powerful. I can do this. So I challenge anyone. Like sometimes you just got to feel the struggle, get through it, and then you realize that you are a badass. Like you have it in you. So <laughs> I never let myself off the hook. Um, and I never will. I, I continually try to throw myself in situations that make me like, oh boy, this is going to be something. And, um, cause you need that reminder every so often you need that struggle and it really does help. Uh, it helps. So show motto is stay in the fight. So yeah, I always got to stay in the we're, fight. We're on point. We're yeah. appropriately <laughs> on point. And, um, you know, I just yeah. think there's just such beauty in all of it because when we, somebody, some idiot boyfriend, obviously he's not married to her. So, you know, that dude is long fucking gone. But, long you know, gone. when he basically says she can't do something, it's just basically like, yeah, um, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, I so, was already kind <laughs> of on fire at that point and I got a little spicy, but that spice led to my husband. So thank yeah. God he gave me a little, you know what I mean? But but that's what I love it. I mean, I have these great friends, Michael knows, and they're pretty, they're brutally honest. And they say, listen, Kate, you got these kids, you're doing all this stuff. There's no way you can run under 240. Bullshit. <laughs> so I love when people say you can't do something. I'm like, mm. and it might be true, but I will, I'll tell you, you know, I will yeah. fight as hard as damn hell. To <laughs> yeah. But you know, the fun part about that is, um, because I've gotten to know some of those friends, not all of them, but these are friends that you have mad respect for. They're oh, incredible yeah. athletes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, O's is in there. Goggins is in there. And other, you know, um, your uh, fruitarian oh, friend. Oh, Michael Arnstein. Yeah, he's Arnstein. a nut. So, yeah, like, I mean, you have great. friends that are, like, exceptional athletes, endurance athletes that can do really hard things. But the fun part about it is, like, like we all need people in our lives who we can talk trash with. We do. There's a place for that when somebody says you can't do it. Like, really? You don't think? I can do all six majors in one year, or you really don't think I could run a sub 240 in Boston? Uh, Kate's like, I can. And I distinctly remember on one of our many runs where you told me that you mentioned it to a few of those key people that you wanted to win the JFK 50. You like, you weren't going down there to like, you know, make the podium or come top 10. Oh, like, no. it was I your wanted goal. to win. Yeah. Like, you wanted yeah. to win the race. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, for, People at home, like, that's just ballsy as hell. I mean, the race that Kate ended up winning, um, you know, Casey is a Western States 100 winner. I mean, it was a strong field. It's the, probably the worst conditions or some of the worst conditions the course ever had. The entire AT was covered in snow. But I mean, I think that's part of probably what drove you to have such a great race. Because if they're sitting there telling her, oh, yeah, I think you can win or I think you can beat Casey and the other top women that are running. Like, you're you're ready, Kate. <laughs> it was the opposite. They were, like, challenging you. And, like, yeah. yeah. They'll they'll push me, though, because they'll, they'll, they'll say, listen, Kate, it's, it's no joke. Like, you can't just fluff around with your training and, you know, <laughs> I mean, people will, like, Mike over this, but they'll look at me and be like, and you're, like, a little bit, I don't want, fat. <laughs> like, my 
cycle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He'd be like, yeah, but if you like shed like five pounds, maybe you could run faster. And I'm like, okay, shove your foot in your ass, first of all. <laughs> but they're very honest in that way. Then, And there's things they'll say. He's like, listen, you can never let up. I mean, Michael, the name is Michael, lost the race. At the end, I mean, he thought the guy, everyone was telling him that he had all this space and time and the guy flew past him. I think it was minute, like he was mi- beat right at the end of JFK. Oh my and he's God. He's like, you can never let up, Kate. Look over your shoulder. Do not not look over your shoulder. No, you look over that shoulder. <laughs> Do not trust anybody. And you have to, if you're going, you need to, like, you can never let up in that race. Um, so I had a lot of tough love, and but we mapped it out. And my training... There was some training days that were pretty brutal. I think I did one day. So it was two back-to-back days. And one day was like I went out, I ran 15 miles at um, sevens. And then I met a group and we ran another 15 at 630s. And then I did just like a five-mile cool down at sevens, okay? So that was fast. And the next day I went out and I ran – um, maybe 15 or 20, but again, at, uh, I think it was like a seven minute or sub seven pace. I mean, it's just hard. You, you're, you're clipping away, but I said, if I'm going to do this, I have to get out of the AT toe path and I have to be able to tick off. I wanted to tick off like seven ten pace on that flat section. That's kind of like you've ran it. Yep. It's kind of like grassy. It was a little muddy that year. Um, it's bridal like. It's yeah. hard. It's hard packed gravel. It like, it's more. Fl- it's it's more level. I mean, it's no, it's flat and level. Our yeah. bridal here in New York, we know, is a little uneven and yeah. has its spots. So it can be like quicksand. This is firm. Yeah. And but if, with the weather year you had, you so had a tremendous a little, amount of snow. So it was money. So you, for everybody listening at home, it's the 60th JFK 50 coming up. Shout out to my boy Mike Spindler. Uh, former guest on the show, one of the most top downloaded episodes. And we've had a bunch of runners on, but for everybody at home, you start off, you climb about a thousand feet, 1100 feet coming out of Boonsboro. Very technical AT trail. I mean, this race is amazing because it has three distinct parts. I mean, three distinct parts. You have technical, technical AT. The year we did it, I mean, there's parts you're sludging up to your, almost up to your your mid shins to knee up ice and this, it was like a mess. So I pulled it back. I'm like, I can't get injured. But yeah, so you have the technical AT. Then you come out to the towpath, and it's a marathon. 26.4 on the towpath, so you and get an extra 210. And then you get to the road, and it's rolling roads home, like eight, nine miles, 8.5 8. or 8.6 like on, the, on the road to finish it. It's a great race. Yeah. It's a really well-run race. You can, And I had the times I was going to do. I had trained those and trained those and trained those. And um, the... It, I mean, I can't, I came out of the AT and Mike's like, you're 20 minutes down from first place. I mean, that is like 20 minutes. But I'm sitting here, I'm running with Casey, right? Like she's no chum runner, but we just were cautious, right? Because it was so much work. When you're trudging through mud and ice and your legs are going every which way, um, took a nice hard fall. I think I've always taken a hard fall in a trail race. Got to take one. Got to take right? one. It was Gotta good though, it. but it was the perfect place because I didn't fall on any rocks. Like I fell so hard and I was like, oh, I'm good. Okay. Like at first, any, no, I'm good. Adre- I actually, adrenaline shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I changed my shoes because, you know, it's like you need trail shoes for the AT. You do. But then I was like, I need fast shoes for the rest of the race. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm changing. You know, I don't care. I know it's crazy. 
but I'm doing it. It was the best call ever. Um, went into the Nike Vaporfly, right? Boom. I was like, let's get these on because it's also a mindset. I'm putting on these shoes. I better not be putzing around yeah. at 830 miles. Yeah. Like you got to run, Kate. So I put those on. And I just started clipping off like seven ten, seven ten, seven ten. It's just like this, yep. like just a machine. Um, mind you, I did not rake up on that day. My low back was killing me, so I was rolling. This is in that morning of the race, right? Everything is never perfect, right? Everyone thinks like <laughs> everyone just like, oh, she trained and she came in perfect. I'm like, no, I remember my low back was killing me. I was rolling a ball, and I'm like, I'm gonna bring two out because uh, I don't want to take it, but there's a chance, like. But I said, you know, once you get running, sometimes things get in this. But at mile 28, my back was like, a, it was like, it wasn't pain, but it was like a vice, right? It was tightening and tightening and tightening. I'm like, oh, shit, you know? So I took the Advil, drank it down with some water, and I said, I need to find someone to talk to, which is like so weird, but it <laughs> works. I'm telling you, it works, especially in ultras, because your mind can't do both. It can't have a conversation and think about pain. And I wanted left time for like maybe that Advil. And this guy probably was like, what is this girl on? So I just started chatting with him like for two miles. And then I kind of left him. But that helped. That was it. And then I was back into the groove. The back kind of like loosened up. And all of a sudden I hear like trick. Because I was like second. But, you know, weird things. You don't get like actual feedback. Yeah. It's weird. Like you feel like, oh, you're coming up on first. Like you're two minutes. And someone will say you're four minutes and this. I don't know. But I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking away these seven tens. And, but I, it almost, it's a, the weirdest race in my life is that I started feeling stronger. It's so weird. That does not happen to me. Okay. Like it was like, I was feeling stronger. Like the wheels were getting under me and I'm going. And then I see her in the distance. Right before you almost turn onto the road for those last like yeah. nine miles. But she was dead. I mean, you could tell she was, I, I, part of me felt horrible, but then part of me was just so freaking excited. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I am going to gobble her alive and like, don't go out so fast. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I eat shit. Then I was like, but actually, I hope you do okay. <laughs> you know, like, but you know, I'm really competitive. So whatever, it's a race. So, you know, I, um, and it was right at the turn of the road. But all I could hear was Michael in my head, just you you can't let up. You can't let up. And I said, I want to so badly win this race. I hit the road. It's like someone lifted a fire under my ass and I just went all sub sevens. I was like, once I got through that one big hill, I started clocking 630s to 640s all the way home. Like I absolutely was hammering to the finish. I think I had one of the top three finishes of guys and girls, like that last segment, the fastest, because I was just wheeling home. I said, there is no way I'm going to lose this. And if someone was going to contest yeah. like how, me, I was leaving just that tiny bit because I would have brought it down so fast. I was <laughs> fit. It was like, I mean, listen, there's, it was one of those races you pray for. I've raced over a hundred races and I'd say maybe 10% go like very, very well. And I'm not saying the others don't go well, but there's like some dicey issues going on. <laughs> Nobody like, like, you feel like you're gonna shit, you got a cramp, you got this. Like, but this race was one of those races. I mean, I'm just wheeling home. I'm like, oh my God. Like I could just, I'm flying. Like I felt so good to the finish and hammering these 630s, 640s home. And I looked over my shoulder multiple times. No one was there. Um, I think I ended up worrying by 13 or 14 minutes, 
but I didn't let up. I was like, I'm not going to lose this. And it was, it was amazing. It was a, a culmination of great training, a great day. I, I was like, finally, I pieced together like a race. Like, I, Jesus, you know, it's like, I just, I don't know. Some people can piece together great races, multiple, multiple like, but for me, it's, it doesn't come easy. So this was like, thank God, like, finally I did it. Like, Jesus Christ, I was crying because I was like, I did it. I did it. And my husband knows how hard I was working and how focused I was on this race. So he was crying. And my kids are like, why are you guys crying? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just, you know, it's like just emotional because he knows this journey I've been on. I mean, he really met me at the beginning. So it was just so exciting to just put together such a good race a big and win a big race. And ugh, the 50-mile distance is my absolute favorite. It's like my baby. Um, I, lo I love it. It's where I started. So I always have like a – so um, I will never go back there actually because it was so great yeah then i'm just gonna leave it i'm gonna <laughs> leave it and hold it and they can say whatever i'm like i'm never gonna race there again because it was so good and so right and so perfect i'm like i think that one's gonna just stay it's as good. is <laughs> well mike mike will be disappointed he's a good friend uh pink is his best and closest column but i think he'll understand um a guy who held the course record there himself twice and uh like as a legend in the community and all, but it's it's a special race, man. And to win it, that race, it's a great race. The oldest ultra in the United States to win the the 60th is coming up. It's it's just epic, and um, it was really nice for me to someone who sees you really don't celebrate these things. I mean, you train so fucking hard, you put so much into it. You know, you're an animal towards your training. But I mean, as far as when you do something really great. You know, like you've won nine million Tiffany awards from being the fastest New York runner, you know, from New York Red Runners. <laughs> Literally, they're getting cycled away and thrown out. And, you know, funny story, Mike threw a great surprise party. And, you know, only like Kate's closest friends where I met O's and a bunch of them for the first time. And we had an awesome party. And now we got to see this amazing cup, man. It's like a Wimbledon cup for crying out loud, man. It's silver or pewter. It's beautiful. It's giant. Which I proceeded to break um, unintentionally. <laughs> the runner or foot on top of the trophy. Um, I don't know. That just go figure. It's just life. But I still have it one because my friend Michael is like, Kate, you cannot, you get rid of everything, which I do. I keep things pretty lean and mean. Um, but he's like, you cannot get rid of this. So I still, I still have it. Well, but it is broken. All right, don't mess up the story of where she still has it, though, because I stayed at their lake house, and I'm down in their basement, and Mike and uh, Kate have this great workout room down there, and they got all this exercise equipment and treadmills and screens for Mike to do all his financial and trading stuff. And I go into the closet. I'm just like, you know, maybe there's like another blanket here, you know, just like some kind of cozy blanket. I go in the closet. I turn the light on and there it is, the JFK 50 <laughs> trophy Listen. in the back of the closet in their downstairs bedroom of their lake house. Like anybody else that I know would have it prominently on display in some case highlighted. But God bless. I mean, I think it's just one of the cooler Listen, things about I'm one you. of those that just roll like I, I keep these things in my heart and head and that's it. And I just say I'm what I am. I don't need any trophy i would like cash oh <laughs> <laughs> i could take some cash yeah. but um no i don't need the trophy i don't need like the medals but it is i mean listen i just keep i don't need that stuff you know i get a little like ugh, you know it makes me a little i don't know what the feeling is maybe anxious or something i don't know i just i kind of just uh i do i mean and i i do and then i move on i say what's next and let's keep rolling um listen I love the racing, but I'll tell you, um, I actually love the training in the day in the day out more, more so. Um, 
I think I was thinking I haven't raced for probably by the time I line up again will be three years. I mean, with COVID. And then um, we were just trying to have Goldie and we we're having a hard time. We had multiple miscarriages and, um, you know, and then I shattered my foot. And so things just were just not like lining up and then pregnancy and all this stuff. And so, um, but honestly, through that all, through everything, I mean, I keep chugging along. I keep training and I love it. And I, I've had some epic training days and rides, but um, that's the thing. It's just a lifestyle. I don't have to, I don't have to race now, but I do sometimes think it keeps you a little bit honest. So I did put some races on the calendar that Ooh. might surprise some people. Ooh. It actually surprised myself. That's why I said I need to do it because I completely shocked myself which is people like how do you shock yourself I'm like that's the thing it was so shocking to me I'm like that's what I have to do next so tell us what what are we doing next okay. what's calendared so, I'm excited here's the thing I raced professionally in triathlon like a very unillustrious career uh not so good but I was a professional triathlete really trying to make a career of it and um raced for four years before um I had my first uh, kid. And, um, I'm, <laughs> when I tried to come back after I had Anders, that's my oldest, uh, it was like a disaster race. Um, I was <laughs> not fit, uh, enough. I was literally came off the bike. My, I was last as a pro, like my bike was sitting there and I was last. I had, I'm, you know, my son was only maybe seven or eight months. My boobs are huge. There's milk pouring out. He didn't sleep through the night. I don't know. It was just such a bad, and, and this is excuses. I did have excuses and I was weak that day. And I remember being so embarrassed getting out on the run. I was so tired and, um, I quit and it was the only race I've actually ever quit. Um, I don't feel good about it actually, but I really quit. I mean, I quit the sport. I said I would never bike again. Um, and I'm glad I actually quit that race because after that I was like, I will never quit again. Like what a wuss, you know, like, but I just sometimes mentally you're just, I don't know. I was not in the right place. So I said, I'm never doing triathlon again. And never is a strong word, Ron, right? And mm -hmm. I hate that word. But I said it. I said, never doing triathlon again. I'm never getting on a bike again. I didn't for eight years. And maybe even nine years. Nothing. I did not touch a bike. Run shoes only. And that was it. Um, and then uh, COVID came, you know? And it's through a lot of surprises. And one of them was I had signed up for a 100-mile race because I really wanted to get into Western states. Uh, but then I was having like minor foot issues. And I'm like, why am I just, you know, we don't know what's happening. You know, COVID's like, why am I just continually crushing your, my body? Like, obviously, let's get onto a bike. We were up in Connecticut, out of the city. And I got onto my bike and it was like finding like a long lost lover. Like, oh my God, where have you been? I do love biking. <laughs> like it was. I just was like, this is so fun. I was getting so fit. So that was kind of the start of it. And I had gotten back on the bike and I was loving it, mixing the training. And so, um, but I still had this Western States in my head, yeah. you know? So even through like the Missy, whatever, I was still trying to run and then I shattered my foot. 
you know, my sesamo is a whole nother story that could take on its whole other podcast because I've <laughs> ran through multiple um, stress fractures in that bone. It's a disaster. But um, so it completely shattered with bones floating around my foot. It was messy. And I saw a picture of my foot and I'm like, oh, like, and um, I knew if I wanted to keep doing this until I'm 70 or I don't want that bone taken out, which is iffy, like if you can run well after it or not. So that kind of pushed me towards the bike again. But I was loving it. I'm like loving the bike. And then and I was thinking after I had Goldie, like, man, what do I really want to do? I was like, I want to blast a good bike time in an Ironman. Like, I don't feel like I ever put down a good bike time. And it, it might, this is what I'm saying. I'm not trying to compete with my old self. My yeah. bike time might be slower, but it might be a good bike time for me now where I am in my life. Of course. Like, I might come off and be like, wow, that was a powerful bike. So Mike was like, well, maybe like half Ironman. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I have Ironman. No, that's De like. Degree ooh. of difficulty, not high enough. Yeah, Sorry, like, Mike. Why would I do that? Like, I don't know. Like, that's just, I mean, so I really wanted to throw complication into life. So I was like, I'm going to do an Ironman. So I signed up for Ironman Lake Placid, which is in. Then I was like, but I actually think I should do two, like four weeks apart, just to see. You know, Montreblanc, beautiful. We can like drive there and I don't know, seems like a good, it seems like something I would never have done. So I said I should do it and it scares me. So I should do it and I should do it twice. And I don't know like what will happen. I don't know how my training will be. It's like kind of a going back to try training and getting on this bike. Um, it's fun though, man. It's like a mathematical equation to figure out how little I can train but still be a badass athlete. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say I don't want to be the one training the most. No way. I don't have time for that. So I'm like, I want to try to figure out what I did with running, you know, to get to that 230 without running the 100 mile weeks. I want to do the same thing with Ironman triathlon. To, there is, I don't want to say I'm racing for a time. There is a time I would like because it would qualify me automatically for that. There's this big, I've talked to you about this race, the Norseman. Yeah. It's the extreme Ironman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to get the automatic qualification time because with a family of three, I don't want to be like, oh, maybe we'll go there or there's lottery. I want to be like, hey, let's go to Norway this year. Northern Norway, by the way. It's like in some, the boonies. And uh, I just want to get the automatic qualifier so I can just lock it down. So it's a fun thing to chase. Of course, I picked the two hardest Ironman. So yeah. it's like, uh, you better get your ass in gear. And yeah, you like hard courses. So of that's, course. that's good I for mean, you. I mean, hills, give yeah. me the hills, please. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off. But let me tell you, it's so fun to be back on the bike. But it's different now. I'm like a total different. I'm like, give me my road bike. I And sorry, but the lamp, but like, Fuck the arrow helmet. I don't want disc. Like, you, you don't need it. Like, just get on the damn bike and ride. I'm going on my road bike. I don't need fancy. I mean, we're friends with Chrissy Wellington. She was one of the most badass athletes out there. She won Kona on a road bike with clips. You know, it's like, I have to, I think it's so nice. I've come full circle where I'm like, ah, don't need all the fancy. I'm just going to crank it out. And it's exciting. Like, I just, I'm nervous. I'm like a little kid, like, oh my, what? You know, like, I feel like a newbie. <laughs> so it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, fresh challenges, we all need them. Yeah. And you need hard stuff. Yes, um, I You do. don't just need hard stuff. You need things that like seem impossible. So that's made to- Yeah, made, it's made to, to keep my head straight. So yeah. I just do this to keep my head straight, which 
wouldn't understand because it seems like it would create more chaos, but it actually keeps me in the straight and narrow, you know? <laughs> yeah. And look, it's for your longevity, for long term with the foot and the issues and the mileage and the pounding, it's it's good for you long term. Um, and, you know, you're good in the water. You know, you got the Baywatch days. So you. Oh, yeah. You know, Brett's son. Oh, yeah. boy. See, this is the thing that I'm trying to figure out because like I hate swimming. Uh, like I hate swim training. I hate swim workouts. <laughs> <laughs> I could be on the bike all day and I can run all day. And then I'm like swimming. Oh, oh. like Jesus. Do we really have to do this? So <laughs> the trick is to figure out how little I can swim to still get out around that one hour, five minute mark, which I think is pretty little. So that's exciting. But then when everyone sees me, they're like, I think Kate just swam like two hours. That's, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I realized with swimming, and this is the thing, it's like uh, I went in the lake last year and, and I was like, okay, let me, I want to swim, you know, let's just swim 15 minutes hard. You know, I got the aerobic engine. I'm going to crush this thing out. And then honestly, it felt like I had no muscles left in my upper body. And I strength train all the time. So I realized I do have to swim or I may drown. Um, but, you know, maybe I don't know how much it's going to be as minimal as possible because it's just time. You know, when you have a family, kids, you're trying to like always mitigate going to the gym, getting in a pool. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's so much time. So I'm like, okay, maybe I only have to swim one or twice a week. And maybe one of it could just be in a lake with the kids kind of there and you're just swimming out and back. I don't know. I mean, listen, so it's not going to be some fancy swim time. Uh, but when I get on that bike, I guarantee I'm going to be ready to ride. Oh, you're going to, you're going to crush the bike. I have no doubt of that. So I'm ready. So are there any goals or is it as part of this, just like you, you, you need to, in some ways, cause I just know how you are. You want to redeem yourself because you quit in that one race. So there's some part of that. That's a chapter that has to be reopened and closed. So there yes. is a part of that because yeah. it's just how you are. And it's, it makes all the sense in the world to me that it might be just more about that than, you know, riding faster, swimming faster. Sure. You're not going to go out there with not having a major goal time, but that's got to be part of it. Um, is there any other component of it that's bringing you back there? I never, when I was in triathlon, I was all focused on trying to be like a career triathlete. Um, and I would almost say I wasn't happy doing it. So one, I quit and that burns, man. That sucks. I, I hate having that on my record. Um, it's a little embarrassing. So there is a deeming factor like, you know what? Mm -mm. you're not walking away from this you're going to show up again and no matter what happens no matter how ugly it is you're finishing and um you can swallow your damn pride because you ain't no pro triathlete anymore so just go out there and do what you can um I, I have to face it I just think that's what makes you a better human and I also think I want to just enjoy it I never enjoyed one triathlete I'm not proud of one race I did I want to be proud of a race I did I want to enjoy a race I did and so there's like a lot of like, I have a little bit of resentment from triathlon. And uh, so I think you got to face it. Like if there's something really bothering you, and this is not just in sport. I mean, there's things in life. You, you got to face it head on. And so I'm, I'm, I'm facing it head on. <laughs> I love it. And you're not just, of course, you know, two and four weeks. Um, you know, you know, that's, that's just the way, the way you roll. Yeah, but let's see I what think happens. <laughs> it may, but it makes sense to me. Um, it really does. 
Um, and I think the enjoyment piece of it is just because you you would never quit. It just goes against your and, DNA. And not, I can't. But I mean, you, I did it. That, yeah. I mean, it's but you learn. But you learn. You learn. We oh, yeah. have to quit at something. Yeah, you we have fail. to fail at something over and over again. And we have to quit sometimes. Like elites, pros, we're allowed to do that, but only from whether it's embarrassment, shame, or just looking ourselves in the mirror and going, I can't believe that I did that. I cracked. Oh yeah, I, I cracked. cracked. I cracked I that caved. day. I cracked. And it's it's hard to because you know you think you, but we're all vulnerable. Of course we're we all are. human. I mean, it's like I could be as tough as but there are times that you will crack and and there are failures. Like I hate when yeah. people say uh, nobody fails, especially if you lift up. I'm like, no, I I failed, um, but I definitely gained some some strength and knowledge and where I don't want to be again or who I do not want to be. So um, I will never, yeah, I will never walk off a race course. I mean, I said, but there's no guarantee for finishes if you're like bleeding out the ear and like you know, don't be an idiot. You know what I mean? But yeah. I could have finished that race. Of course. I just was embarrassed, really. That was the end of the story. And it's 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 human. It's a human yeah. story. I don't know what to yeah. say. And But it's also part of, in other parts of your life, that's played itself out. You yeah. were stronger in many, many other things you did because somewhere in there, that was there. Um, and that's just who we are. We remember our failures a lot more than when we succeed. Yeah, and I mean, our wins, we tend to minimize them. We tend to say, well, the weather was good that day or this happened. We rarely are like, wow, I was tough, man. I did. I won JFK in a day when there was snow all over the AT and it was muddy and it was shitty and it was cold. No, like we're usually the other way. Well, the field wasn't as good that year. Like that's usually the way we are. We usually minimize our good stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard because I, I think it's, um, you hate to see when you have weakness because it reminds me of who I was when I was younger. So it's like very scary to be like, oh my God, I thought I quieted that girl. You know, I yeah. didn't think, and then I see a piece of it and you're like, ah, <laughs> it's still there. And it, but then you realize, no, it's just being human. And, uh, as long as you are picking yourself up and you're moving forward, I mean, it's all good. Right. So I'm doing that, dusting off the old seat. <laughs> She's out there <laughs> getting Hell back yeah. out. Hell yeah. And I can't ride with you either, man. You're just like blasting up and down those hills. And then I look up and you're just like in another county. <laughs> you know, well, just, I think it's, you know. Uh, you know, I used to, this is my mindset too. When I trained, my husband's amazing on the bike and he loved the hills. And I would always like mumble, like I just hated the hills right when I was on the bike. So now it changed my whole mindset. Every time I get up a hill, I say I'm strong and I blast the thing. I said, there's no, I love hills. I just say it. I mean, I don't really like yeah. love hills but now I, I tell myself yeah no 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 okay you love hills you're so strong up yeah. the hills so every time i get a hill i just blast them and i just go and i don't ever utter that i don't like hills i say i love hills yes for hills you know i love hills and running truthfully truthfully but biking's like you know a little bit but i'm i'm changing the narrative on that sometimes you just got to convince yourself and it works so it's been really fun to be tackling these hills with a little different mindset this this time around i love it and it does work um, it does. because those negative thoughts will creep in over and over again. And if you think I can't run in the heat or I can't run when it's really cold, like that's just you, that's not the voice that you want in your head. Sometimes it's better just to say, yeah, 
This is amazing. Good, I love man. this. Oh, condi- yeah. Conditions suck. Oh, Let's yeah. go. Everybody oh, else doesn't Peter, want to but, run. Oh, I got some blisters. <laughs> yes. I love this. Yes. You know, yeah. Just convince yourself. Yeah. And it's amazing. As you hear your socks squishing oh, and water God. coming out of them oh, from the man. New York City summer yeah, humidity yeah, or wherever bad. you live, Florida, Texas, yeah, or anywhere else. I know. Um, so I have a question. I, I know how important Western States was to you, Spartathlon. Like those are some of like the really big, huge goals. And it's hard. I mean, look, you guys went through a lot, man. You had a lot of challenges trying to have Goldie and God bless. I mean, she's here. She's healthy. It was um, worth it. I mean, it's, she's worth it. Where yeah. I'm like, you know, you think during it, you're like, is this worth it? And then they come out and you're like, okay, you were worth yeah. it. But during it, you're like, gosh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. This and, is just horrible. And you and you were sick and you had a really rough pregnancy. And you've also talked to me about postpartum, like running has been tough. So, but I'm just saying, like, those are some really big things for you. I mean, is it just gonna be something like has to be pushed really far out? Because I don't see how you can let go of those because I know they were really important to you, like Western States and, and Spartathlon. Yeah, I mean, listen, I those two races, I will tackle Spartathlon one day. Um, unfortunately, now with my Spartathlon falls in like the middle of September. Okay. And, you know, it's like, so my son's in travel hockey. Anyone who's a hockey mom, pretty much, you know, <laughs> they have a saying, like, I can't go, I'm a hockey mom. Pretty much that's it, because your life is like hockey. So it's full on in September. So really, until he's done with hockey, we ain't going to Greece. Because if we go, it's all of us. So it might be a race. Um, you know, I-, I could tackle that race when I'm 50. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's just an experience. That, I mean, listen, Spartathlon's 150 miles, sharp cutoffs. They literally, it's you cannot have pacers. It's all through Greece. I've never been to Greece. It's the only way that I said I will go to Greece. The only time I'm going to run that race. So it is there and it will, I will do it. Um, and, and listen, it's, there's no guarantees, but, uh, I'll tell you, I'll be ready. Um, Western States, I really wanted to tackle up front, but unfortunately right now I'm not going to go around like my foot. I don't think can handle the hundred mile training right now. And it's just what it is. I'm okay with that because, um, I just being smart. I, I think, I, I don't want to I'll tell you when I shattered that says it's one of the worst pain. If you have little bits of bone floating in your foot with all those nerves, I've never experienced like that is so painful. Luckily, I could still like bike, but I don't know. I don't want to put myself in that place again. So um, I kind of watch what I can handle and we'll see. I mean, getting to Western States, either you got to get a golden ticket or you got to get from the lottery uh, to get in. So it's tricky because the lottery races are far. There's nothing nearby. It's like with this family. So I don't, I actually don't know what will happen with that. I would love to tackle a fast hundred, but I also, I listen, I'm not in this to just destroy my body. So I listen to it and it says, Hey, we're really happy right now. Holding on to about 35, 40 miles running, which I run fast now. Pretty much. Those are all pretty much fast miles. And then, um, I'm on the bike you know, five hard workouts a week. And my body's like, yep, this is really a happy place. You tweaked it and you, that's your new recipe. And I mean, I just, sometimes you gotta, you gotta, I I really put myself, I I just try to honor that where I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you gotta pull back and it doesn't mean you can't go back in it, but uh, like, I don't want to show up at Western States just to fluff around. I was going there to get top three. That's it. I, there was no, and that, I have to be on top of my running and uh, 
So I just I just know that I can't do that right now. It's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. That's life. You, you're never going to – sometimes you just can't do that. It is hard. You know, it's hard yeah. on your body training for 100 and especially a fast 100 through the mouth. It's not a joke. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> fluff balling. And um, I don't need to be – you know, I don't want to be an invalid when I'm like 60. So I'm like, ah, we're going to be on the bike for a little bit. And I love it. I love it. I'm just an, someone who just likes to move. So if it's on the bike and running right now, I'm good. I think it's good for the long term, for your longevity Yeah. Um, in the sport. So a couple of the common questions to ask everyone on the show, and there's no one I want to know this answer to more, is like, where does the fire and drive come from? Because honestly, I know very few people I've ever met in my life who have more drive. When you set a goal, it's going to happen. Yeah, sometimes um, that's scary though. And my husband oh, gets a little scared. I'm scared. Mike's scared. He's Your like, close friends oh God, are scared. If Kate sets a goal, like, yeah. duh. And sometimes it scares me. I wish I didn't have, like, I just am that way. Like, if I set something, I will, you know, and it's, yeah. And it's a lot of things I do are that way. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's like, oh, just calm down. <laughs> yeah. I know, but honestly, like, where do you think it comes from? I, mean, I do think it's from um, that little girl, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was just bullied and mentally tortured, and I I just was – suffered, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, and I do it uh, a lot. I do it for her because I said I do not want to be weak. I do not want to be that person. And here's the thing. And this is funny. It's because I'm in such a good place now, you know. Yeah. But I don't want to let all of that go because it's a great fire. It's fuel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's you fuel. probably and listen, we can't all get rid of our darkness, but there's things that happen in life. I think, especially even watching what I mean, I won't go into with my dad, but I I it was really tragic how it ended and I, I just it reminded me um many times over, like be happy in your life, be authentic, live hard. Like, make sure every day I tell you, I live purposely, I live full, I am as authentic as they will come. Um, and I, 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 I give 100% every day. I really do. When I lay down at night, I'm like, oh, my Lord, how many more years till I get to 100? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I will. I said I want to live just so right and in the moment and, and, and fight for everything, for my kids, for my family, for me, for Mike. Um, so I don't want to be that little girl. When you feel that pain, you're like, I just can never go back to who that was. And so I'll tell you, I'm thankful though now, not for the years it took yeah. me. Oh my God, battling anxiety and truth of thoughts, all this stuff. Oh geez, it's like a, you can never let up though. It's like something you always have. Like it's not gone. I have to deal with this, but uh, it's a great <laughs> Yeah, it's the great it's a great fuel to keep me going, but also what's amazing is I've learned to not just hold on to sport but use it for other parts of my life. Like you know, you know just being there for my kids and stuff and and making sure they're living a very um I don't know, I don't know what how to explain, but like not an authentic life, but I want to just be present. Yeah. You know, and um and if I can help you know, other people also is, is really an important part of this whole thing as well. Um, so, yeah, that's where the fire, it's for that little girl. And, and, and I won't let it up, though. I don't want it all gone. <laughs> no, 
Well, you can, I think you can always tap into. Oh, you can always tap. Can always, listen, you can we all got those demons somewhere. I do. say that. You just can't get we rid do. of them. We they do. can get smaller. We do. But then when you need them, I'm like, oh man, yeah. I love that they're fucking there. I'm, I'm pulling this shit great. out. Yeah. It's great. And you almost are thankful for a lot of those challenges. Yeah. Obviously, some people don't come out the other side, but when you come out the other oh, side yeah. and you went through all that, yeah. I mean, it is the greatest. It's like logs on a fire, right? Yeah. You can take them and just keep throwing them in the fire yeah. and it's just blazing and blazing. My fire will be lit for life. Yeah. But so. the strength that you have from that, it's it's so clear. Um, and it's interesting because like where the fire comes from, where the drive comes from, and then the opposite is like darkest hole. It's all it's all the same. You know, it's your anxiety and your childhood and facing all of that stuff. It's all it's all interrelated and interconnected, right? I mean, that's basically it, right? I mean, yeah, you 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 have to you have to face it to become the the best version of yourself. You got to face the things you don't want to face. You have to acknowledge it. You have to bring it up. I used to never tell people any of this. Oh yeah. God, like, do you have intrusive thought? What is that? Like OCD? Like, what is anxiety or like things that happened in my past? I mean, I never um I never talked about it. I thought it was a, a weakness. But then I realized, like, it's only a weakness if you just are still letting that chain keep you in place. And I'm not fucking in one place anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I am, I have, you know, I'm able to move forward with that. And uh, so, and that's where it was this year um, I had finished my book, which is not a memoir. So I know people are like, oh, you wrote a memoir. No, it is a novel actually, but it's based on a true story, which is me. But I wanted to write it more as like, you know, where some of the best stories are around the campfire. It's told in such a way that I could take all these things that happened in 16 years, I mean, and put it in this story that can uplift women and, and well, especially women and, and especially um, moms, right? Because there's, I just think there's just a little bit of a different world and it's about facing demons and moving forward. And it's, it's really exciting, um, to have finished it and to be gaining traction. Uh, but this was like a labor of love. I, I have started a few books in my time, right? All of us have want to be, you know, the wannabe authors, right? But then Mike's like, Kate, you always talk about writing a book. And it's like, you just got to do it. And I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, you want it to be so perfect. That's it. You want to go right in a cabin. He's like, you're going to be an ugly writer, right? You're writing at hockey games. You're writing in like parks. You're writing this. He says, what you have to do, and this is the best advice, I mean, he gave to me, is you have to write. This whole, it was um, whatever, it was like 2021, I think. Yeah. So he said, you have to write for 365 days. And it could be one sentence or whatever, but you have to write every day, no matter what. No excuses. And I said, challenge taken, I will do it. And it was the best kick in the ass because I... Some days, yes, were just one sentence. There's other times I'd lay down at night and be like, oh my God, I didn't write. I'd be up at like 11 p.m. Like, oh, I got to write something because I got to write 300. But what yeah. it did was it instilled a new habit. Yeah. Right. The, the, the eating, the homeschooling, the, the training, those are all stuff that's in my life that yeah. I don't have to work too hard to do. Yeah. But this writing was not, so, it is hard as hell for me. But then I learned with the 365 day challenge. It created a new habit. 
And I took that. I was able to just get the momentum. Then it was in my life now. I write almost every day, even after that one year. And then I got it done. And it's exciting. And I thought, you know, this is something people could use. Say, I'm not going to mention a name, but Ron, like with your lack of strength or stretching, it's like the 365 day challenge is just do a strength or stretching thing every day for 360, like even if it's like 10 push-ups or I'm going to mindfully open my hips for a minute, you know, something. So you have to think about it every day, but it's great. It, It was really a kick in my ass. And I'm so excited because I have so many more book ideas and I'm able to do it now. And it's so ugly. Like I even downloaded my, put like a Word document on my phone because when I'm breastfeeding Goldie, you're kind of like stuck in place for like 20 minutes. But then I could write my book on my phone, which is not obviously ideal. But what's not ideal is to have your book idea never get finished. So I was like, this is a way I can do it. And I can sit and I can write because you can't type on a computer when you're breastfeeding. So I have the Word document on my phone, typing away. You know, I have it everywhere and I'm writing this book. Um, and I'm, a, I'm really proud of it because it it's a good, fun story. It's everything from tragedy to triumph to facing demons. It's kind of like a Bridget Jones meets Sex in the City meets David Goggins. Right? And you mash those and you have this story and it's, it's pretty fun. So... This was like a new, it, it, this is a new thing for me. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited yeah. um, because you would talk about these different ideas, children's books, all oh, sorts yeah. of things. I had you, a children's book yeah. going, but that just was not, Yeah, that was not easy. I wasn't like moving the wheel. Yeah. And I felt like this story just needed to be told in some way. And it's, it's powerful and it's a character. I feel like anyone can be like, yes. I can totally see myself in her, uh, which is me because it's based on true story. But it's um, it's <laughs> it's real though. There's times where I was writing and I'm just like a box of tears, you know. So and then sometimes you're just laughing because it's just ridiculous things that have happened. So it's called the Thirty Nine Careers of Kate Mason, and it's uh, it's it's going to be fun to see where we go now because now it becomes where I hate. Which means, like, I like the writing behind the yeah. scenes and just doing the work. Sure. But now the real work starts. Yeah. The agents, the publishers, the editing, the drafts, the the websites. Oh my gosh! I'm like, I'm not. Good. I don't know if I'm cut off for this. <laughs> you know, like I just want to go bike and run. You know, yeah. and teach my kids. So exactly. But it's good. It's good. It's challenging me in another way. And I always like that. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So we're there. Love it. That's so awesome. Can't be more excited for you. And super cool that Mike uh, kind of helped you or encouraged you to like make it a habit. And and uh, I got the hint. It was so subtle that it's just on the podcast, uh, on the strength training and <laughs> stretching side. So, just a little you know, subtle hint. Super subtle. Subtle. Like, you know, I, I, I'll, when I'm listening to this episode in my ears, I'll be like, oh, shit, I didn't do any freaking push-ups today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work. And then you're doing them at like 11.59. I was there where yep. I'm like, oh, my. Oh, I have yeah. to get out of bed and I have to go right. Yeah. But it was great because I really – the thing is, is when I take on challenges or it's like, you have to do this. It's like the world will end if you don't write. If you don't, you have to finish this race. I just, it's me. I like a challenge and you just got to take it on. And I do challenge people with that. If there's something that you want to do in life, the 365 day, even if it's for one minute doing, it will transform. I mean, it really works. It is a, I said, Mike's like, oh, you could write a book about that. I'm like, it would be very short. It'd be like three pages, do something, 
365 days that you want to do for at least a minute. The end. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Like with running, with getting started in a business, with, you know, it's just it's just putting focus on something and, and, and putting intention. And that what that does is it just pushes the snowball bigger and bigger. And then it does become part of your life. So there were days I'd write for an hour. There were days I found two hours. Um, and, and I was able to finish a book. You know, and I was like, <laughs> yes, I did it. So it was powerful. That's what I needed. Yeah, that's totally awesome. So we've covered some pretty awesome stuff. Um, and I know the book had to be like back for the end because it's just so, so exciting and such a cool thing for you to do that's outside of your running and your momhood and other many, I mean, many and, things. And it's funny because when I was younger i everyone had asked like you know when they're like what do you want to be what do you want to be now obviously it was first a veterinarian so like let's put that out that's a whole nother story but anyway <laughs> past that i was like i want to tell stories like not a journalist this i want to write books and you just get laughed at because it's hard right to get yeah. a book to get momentum to get it out there listen it's impossible and then you say oh well it's impossible so i shouldn't do it because failure is going to happen and then i remember you know what if you don't do it you don't know you know, it doesn't matter. Like, so what are you just not going to do it? Because it's impossible. So then I'm like, I'm just going to start writing books and we'll see. We'll see, you know, because yeah. it's only, it's definitely impossible if you don't start. Correct. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Correct. So this was way long ago. I mean, I have books started when I was 18 years old. So now here I am, you know, and, and I'm like, we're going to make this happen. And now it's a part of my life and I'm ready to kind of go the author route and I'm excited. So it's fun. And I'm excited for you. And yeah. so are all your friends, man. I can't wait to see what, what path this goes on and where it takes you. Um, and getting published, self-published, or if an agent takes it and a, a book company picks it up and all that's super exciting because I know how much you love social. So you'll love oh, promoting God. it. You might, you might have to pay me to do that for you. I mean, you, this is we'll like see. a whole, which I'm trying to get back on, but I do want to get on mindfully. I do think, you know, social media is a little bit slippery slope and I, I feel like I have to be on there with intention. And my intention would be just to help people, um, and to tell stories, you know, and so I just want to do it more mindfully and, and make sure I'm really authentic on there and I'm on there for the right reasons. So I backed away, man. I haven't touched it. Like I just left, you know, I had yeah. all this stuff going on. I'm like, I don't want any social media in my life. Yeah. But there might be a place for it, but I have to think about what I'm going to do. Um, so, yeah, but this, this, this books will probably open up a journey or a place where I can do something more. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Well, we covered a lot of ground. Did we miss anything? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I there's mean, so much, you I mean, know what could, I mean? We could do, you were supposed to be my host, co-host. So I we know. could do like a five hour show. We can't do that. Oh Cause gosh. I know you have some, you have time limitations, but is there anything we missed or something that's top of mind that you wanted to talk about? before we roll out, something we didn't get to? You know, I mean, I think uh, I think people listen to podcasts because they want to pull something away. They want to come away for something with themselves. That's why I listen to podcasts. Like, what can I learn? And I think I always tell people, just don't be afraid to just go for it, right? Sign up for something that scares you. Step outside of your comfort zone. Take those things you think are impossible 
and just try to make impossible. It does. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but just go for it. I think things aren't going to be perfect. Like when I train, when my life, it's not perfect, but I'm so consistent with how I do things. And I challenge everything when someone says, you know, that's why I homeschool my kids. I eat plant-based. God damn it. You know, I challenge everything. I'm like, I will. There has got to be a better way. Just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be authentic. And sometimes you got to turn off like social media and stuff just to let go. Like, that's why I don't show up on Strava. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want any. You tell, people have tried so hard. I'm like, ah, pass. I'm going to take a hard pass. I'm not. I'm not a strong enough person to handle that stuff, you know? I'll tell you. I mean, I'm so – but it's just – it's tough. It's tough to be up against all this uh, perfect world, miles, miles, miles. Everyone else is training. Everyone else is great. I said, just make your world smaller and then go for it. And you'll surprise yourself, you know? And that's what I do. I just made my world small. I said, these are the things I want to achieve. This is how I'm going to achieve them. I don't care what anyone else is doing. This is what I'm going to do. And that's it. So I just say, make your world smaller. As you say, stay in the fight um, and just keep pushing, you know, keep challenging it and keep it fun. Like, listen, I, you know, I, I think that helps too is just laugh it, you know, just have fun. I love it. What a great final message and a, a great place to land it, man. I can't tell you. I saved this episode for you. Episode 100 meant a lot to me. I never know if I get to 10 I know, or five. I was like trying to like, you know, you know just get, I think things are just so, I'm like, okay, I got to like squeeze in this time. I got to do this. Got me. Then you were here. You're literally yeah. like a walk stone yes. throw away from me at Trump Town. I'm like, I, I got to show up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I could not have like no excuses. Just show up, do it. Um, you know, I try to avoid these things. <laughs> You know, yes. People would think, but why you just talk and talk? I said, yeah, but I get just so embarrassed. Like, oh my God, did I say something wrong? This and that. But this is what I'm trying to do in life. Who cares? You're here. You had a conversation. You're putting something out in the world. It's good. So it's better than good. It's yeah. an, your your story is awesome, and unfortunately, we don't have like two more hours to oh go. Oh my gosh, in, you could tackle into more so many. Stuff. That's why I was worried. I'm but, like, we probably could keep this thing rolling, rolling, because yeah. there's just so many things. Sure. That ha like you could talk about, you can go to. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like I'm nothing special, but I just I just keep my foot on the gas. Hell yeah. Outwork, outworks everybody I've ever met. That's it. And ever known. <laughs> and again, a great message for everybody rolling out. And um, I can't tell you much I appreciate it. Your friendship, coming on, sharing your story. And, you know, this book, I hope it gets picked up. I hope it happens. And yeah, I we'll mean, have listen. you come back on and we'll tell everybody about how you're a best-selling author. That'll oh, be, God, yeah. That'll right. be, that'll but I be said, fun. It's exciting to get to just get it. It's like anything else. We don't know. But the thing is, I guarantee I will keep going after it. And hell, that's it. Hell yeah, my friend. No doubt about it. And how we sign off every show, just on that same note, we tell everybody to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Absolutely. Wow. That conversation, like Kate, was truly special. She really is one of a kind and is just a truly remarkable individual. One of the strongest people I've ever met and don't ever challenge her to anything because she will find a way to come out on the winning side of such challenge. Doesn't matter who lobs it in her direction. Uh, it could be her husband, Mike, O's, Goggins, 
uh, or any of her other crazy, incredibly fit friends. Um, but I think what's most impressive about Kate is that she finds a way to juggle it all, to homeschool her three kids, to be there for them and her husband, Mike, and the two of them have just carved out an amazing life. Um, they both make tremendous sacrifices to get their kids to all their sports and all their activities, but still train at crazy high levels to be able to be super fit and compete at the highest levels in marathon, ultra marathon, Ironman type of events. And uh, again, always putting family first. So for any moms out there that have ever thought about uh, homeschooling, um, I think this episode will really uh, catch your attention uh, in terms of like how Kate is able to manage all of that and her crazy high level training, high, high level enough to run in the elite field in Boston and New York multiple times and win the prestigious JFK 50. So there's a little bit of everything in this one. Um, she's overcome so much anxiety, depression, um, and just feeling weak, feeling powerless and transforming to a person who is the epitome of strength, of power, and just the kind of person who you just know if she sets her mind to it is going to get it done. So it's hard, it's hard to say this without offending any of my previous guests because I love every single one of them, but this is my favorite conversation. And it was a blessing to host it. And I'm so appreciative of how open Kate was about her challenges and her struggles. And I just couldn't be more excited for her for taking the time to go through that journey and write it all down, write her book, and just can't wait for it to come out and for people to um, read more about her and learn more about her and her amazing story. So I hope you all enjoy this one as much as the two of us did. And uh, I hope you'll all get an opportunity to share it somewhere, anywhere, uh, to a friend, word of mouth, Strava, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere, man. Just spread the word, spread the love. It's a powerful, powerful story. And then there's no doubt that it can help other men or women that are facing some of those challenges that Kate, Kate faced down and uh, was able to turn around and change uh, change the course of her life, change everything. So as I say at the end of every episode, I thank you all so much for being part of this journey, 100 episodes. There were times that I thought I'd never make it to 10, and <laughs> never make it to 15. But in life, if we just keep plugging away, man, as we say, if, I, if you just keep lacing them up, my friends, those habits... Uh, like Kate forcing herself to write every day, those habits become permanent. They become part of our lives. And, you know, you're all part of this journey, man. We're keep we're going to keep grinding together. We're going to keep lacing them up. We're going to keep getting great guests like Kate on, and we're going to share their stories, and we're going to just keep building this thing further. And that's the goal. So keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight, my friends. Peace out, and an early happy Thanksgiving to you all. <laughs>